All right, all right, all right. We are back in the building. We are here in the new office of NXT.com. We are at the 48 Bird Gate. And yes, for today, I'm your host with the most, Marcos, and I'm with Dr. Anish Mohammed. He is the co founder and chief scientist, and he's just the, the head honcho of Panther Protocol, but he's also a man of uh, various talents, and he's also a, a caffeine addict too. So, uh, so yeah, anyways, today we just want to talk about Panther Protocol, and we're just going to try to uh, dive, dive in deep. But before we hit up Panther Protocol, uh, Dr. Anish, thank you for stopping by. You're, you're most welcome. Uh, you know, it's always a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> always, yeah, I always enjoy talking to you. And I, before we start talking about Panther Protocol, I know it's a quite a comprehensive uh, blockchain. So, um, yeah, I mean, before we go, that you know, I, I just want the folks uh, kind of know a little about about your story. And I, I know you've been in various fields like cybersecurity, blockchain. Uh, I know there's several other uh, industries too. But uh, kind of just uh, give us your origin story into the blockchain industry? Sure. So the origin story is probably a bit weird. Um, I've been interested in security and privacy for, so just to start off, I, I went to a med school. I'm from the same state that uh, Marcos is from Kerala. Uh, we have some endos exams and I happen to, unfortunately, it's a multi-choice question, multiple choice question and <laughs> end up in the top one or two or three, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, because of that, I had to go to med school, and uh, because of that, uh, I had a slightly different journey to most people. Summary is like I've been interested in privacy for a very long time. I've been in Crypt since late '90s, so I met a lot of the initial crypto people, as in cryptographers and you know, cyberpunks in the Crypt community. And uh, in around 2000, I got a job working for Ericsson building micropayment systems, just me writing libraries for them. So as part of that, I spent a lot of time understanding all the different payment systems and the challenges of payment systems. And I also ended up in the cryptography mailing list. So cryptography mailing list is the place where Satoshi actually posted his original paper. And I shall put my hand up and say, I saw the post. Didn't make much of it, read the paper, and just went on with whatever I was doing. So until like 2010, 2011, when uh, people started mining and they asked me questions, uh, at the point in time, I was involved in the hackerspace in London. So a bunch of us decided, why don't we run a workshop? And I think Amir was the guy who actually volunteered. And then I turned up and a bunch of people turned up. Uh, if you, you know, score Jeanette, you will find postings of photos of all the usual suspects in hackerspace in London discussing this. And, uh, you know, then afterwards, uh, you know, a couple of years later, I ended up being an advisor to Ripple. Uh, so for 2013, October 17th, if I'm not mistaken, I became an advisor to Ripple. And then Ethereum happened. So when oh, Ethereum wow. happened, Victor Tron happened to be an acquaintance of mine. He asked me if I would help and I volunteered. And I became a loose member of the Ethereum Swarm team by reviewing the knowledge paper and putting my name to the table. And then I was again involved in a designer design review of probably another four more. Like one, the one that is public is Dev.io. And then a couple of other ones I did uh, for legal reasons. I probably can't name them. 
Then DAPs I was involved in probably 18 to 20 well-known ones, Boson, Ocean, Billa, Big Job, I mean, a long list. So mostly yeah. I've been involved in designer protocol, the thing called token engineering. So was initially involved in trying to teach other people what this, you know, norm called token engineering was. So I have given one of the first talks in token engineering in London uh, for the token engineering meetup group. And similarly, a couple of the few talks, early talks in Berlin as well, and given a couple of talks in the global token engineering meetup. Mostly trying to build protocols, helping others build protocols. My interest is mostly in protocol design. Uh, you know, token engineering, I consider it like part and parcel of protocol design. Uh, I have an interest in secure multi party compute as a normal proof systems. All right. Okay. Yeah. Hey, thanks for sharing that, uh, that, that, that history, though. Uh, you know, not many people uh, who I come across have that kind of history that goes, you know, way back, you know, so. Oh, I, in, in, in between, I actually spent time in a bunch of cryptography research institutes. So from 2000, <laughs> 2001, I spent time in Indian Statistical Institute, the cryptography research group. And then I went and did a master's and a PhD program. So, yeah. So there you go. So I spent like six, seven years in between doing cryptography research. So. Wow. Yeah. No, uh... No, that, that, what's impressive, uh, impressing me about you is, you know, you're actually one of the few people I come across who have, you know, it was kind of like this, this I, I guess, select few, elite few, I, I don't know how you want to describe it, but, uh, definitely go back, uh, way early. So, uh, definitely want, I want the community to know about you and, you know, you have quite a long history. So, and also definitely you've been involved with, you know, a lot of protocols and uh, of course, I know you have, uh, worked in other capacities as well. So, uh, anyways, thank you for sharing that and let's, uh, you know, uh, let's, let's get into Panther protocol ZKP. Sure. So, uh, could you give just a brief description about Panther protocol? Yeah. I mean, it depends on who you talk to. So, so, you know, I kind of, uh, divide the world into two halves. I mean, the bigger, half, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> the bigger half is the people who come from the traditional finance world. Yeah. And the smaller half is the people who come from the DeFi world. The people who come from the traditional finance world, I would describe a Panther uh, as a dark pool on demand with support for KYC and selective disclosure. Essentially, you can actually do KYC. And then if you choose to reveal a set of transactions, you can do so. And dark mm -hmm. pools are construct that's very well known in traditional finance. If you are from DeFi and, uh, you know, you want to be explained, I will say it's private, it's private DeFi. So okay. you, know, you have private DeFi strategies and uh, same thing, the explore bit as KYC and selective disclosure. So that's the summary one line age. All right. Okay. No, that, that, that's good enough. No, that, that's good. That's good. Uh, uh, now, because, uh, uh, I, I've been reading quite a lot, you know, well, from the light papers, I do have to read it twice because uh, I'm, I'm one of those uh, normies, you know, trying to, you know, figure out this. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, it, the idea was we write a white paper and we write a light paper. The light, yeah. The light paper was supposed to be, uh, we, we actually did a second, uh, second iteration of light paper. The light paper is supposed to be aimed at people so people can actually read, get a sense of what we're trying to do. Yeah. The white paper was supposed to be like the kind of description of what we are doing to a level that anybody mm -hmm. who has time and uh, has the inclination to spend sure, time sure. to understand it deeply has mm -hmm. the ability to do. So that that that's where we 
to look at it. Oh yeah, no, sure, sure, agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely agree. So I, I, I guess you know, like you know, uh, for me, uh, now I'm starting to you know like dive in deeper, you know, trying to learn a little bit of you know zero knowledge proof and all that stuff. So, um, but I guess, uh, uh, but I do, uh, but I one thing I know for sure is is definitely going to get a lot of attention because now like even regular folks too, they know they're they're starting to be more aware of uh, zero knowledge proof. So. Um, so yeah, so there is a lot of uh, I guess interest in terms of I guess privacy and stuff. So uh, and anyways, let let's dive in. Let's look in. Uh, can you just tell us the people behind the protocol? Other than other than yourself, I know you got some couple of people in your team. You know, could, could you just uh, talk about them and their roles behind Panther Protocol? Okay, so. Uh, uh, let me walk you through. So when we started out, uh, I had my co-founder. So um, he has some exposure to crypto. He has worked in various projects. Uh, people in this part of the world might recognize him as Gabriel Abbott's co-founder from one of his previous projects called Bit. So, uh, you know, and the other part is like, uh, they, they had a, uh, uh, I think they, 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 they have, pretty good amount of success in terms of CBDCs and working with governments. Mm-hmm. So ours was a slightly different case. And then I convinced my chief architect of Adam to join us. I also convinced my PhD office mate Alon to join us. So that was like the initial team. Mm-hmm. And I slowly and slowly tried convincing other people. So now what I have is like on the research side. So I have like kind of three three kind of things I do, like as a co-founder, I look after all the things that need to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, then as a CTO, I designed the protocol, the first iteration of the protocol I designed by hand myself. I've been <laughs> in the later iterations, it's more and more things are happening. Like I don't keep yeah. track of every piece of it. Like, you know, yeah. the highest level of it was actually done by me by hand. I'm looking for my notebook here. I can't find it, but somewhere in this room is a notebook which actually has, you know, uh, my handwriting and like in a roadmap and everything, right? Like literally. Yeah. So uh, I have uh, a, a research group on one side, which is mm-hmm. kind of six people right now. So yeah. we have uh, an applied mathematician. Uh, she is a Thiel fellow. Uh, you know, we have a better loose affiliation with her. Okay. Then, I mean, in, in fact, actually, I have like eight people in that sense of speaking, uh, because yeah. I could count on Nikura as kind of working halfway between research and halfway between uh, implementation. And yeah. VJ, again, the same. So VJ is the founder of Mackie Project. I, he's, he's, just a, he's a good friend and he's been very kind to help us. Then officially, the set of people that are there is applied mathematician, the game theorist. Then uh, in, in total, if I count myself in, there are like four cryptographers or such. So three from Royal Holloway, one from, uh, you know, his undergrad from Stanford. So, so we have that bunch of people. So the skill set is, uh, the Stanford alum person actually is a elliptical person. Uh, Mark is a, you know, Mark the lead crypto person is a MPC person. Uh, Arnold, my PhD office mate, uh, is now kind of transitioned into kind of an advisory position. He is, uh, a protocol person, and I do bits of protocol primitives and uh, done some work on elliptic curves. So master's thesis but attacks on elliptic curves. So I'm kind of like uh, do a broad, 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 broad thing. So that's like the research team. So 
we kind of look at all the problems we have uh, from our search perspective. So you know, say, for example, game theory, we look at our token models, we look at our pricing model for privacy, you know, pricing privacy, you know, a lot of those things are done in the game theoretic aspect. That's actually done there. Applied mathematician is like, you know, if you have a problem that we think, so our yeah. applied mathematician is doing a PhD in uh, algebraic number theory, mostly curves and multidimensional surfaces. So, you know, some uh, weird operations in ZKPs using elliptic curves go into that budget. So that's kind of where we do all those things. So currently we have some involvement in ZPrize. We are a sponsor for ZPrize. We kind of work with them to help them. Right, okay. In uh, facade and implement, so essentially hash functions, you know, increasing the speed or increasing the throughput of hash functions in ZKPs. Then on the other side, uh, we have, <clears throat> you probably have met Safe. Yes, you met Safe. Yes, so we met. yes I did. Yeah, so yeah. Safe is the head of products. And yeah, he's the most product. important guy in, for, in Panther Protocol, in my opinion. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> then we have Vadim. Vadim yeah. mm-hmm. uh, is the chief architect. And then we have a bunch of architects that work with us. So we have somebody who joined me from my first, you know, it's almost officially the first ZKB startup I had because okay. we raised some money. We couldn't actually do all the things we wanted. We didn't really deploy all the capital. Uh, so in theory, we you know, started out, did a bunch of work, but really didn't, you know, do any legal stuff to set things up. Yeah. So he has been working in ZKB since 2016. He's one of the architects that we have in our team. Then uh, we have uh, two other architects uh, that are there in addition, Adam, uh, who's with us. And then there is somebody else who's there as well. So that's like um, SNJ. So that's like, you know, three architects. Um, one of them is like a half cryptographer, half architect. Oh, right. uh, I would say Adam is like, a, you know, he can do crypto, but he's not a cryptographer as such. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the first person is like, his master's was on some cryptography related stuff. So, you know, and he has been very used to doing this since 2016. So very experienced. And, uh, then we have a couple of product people. So, uh, you know, at least two, you can count three sometimes. So I was like, both, both of them, they report into safe. So the, the, these people actually help safe, look after the products in that sense. Sure. So we kind of, I know break down Panther into different products so we can actually manage and focus. Mm-hmm. Then there are a bunch of people who are front end people, solidity people, full stack people, uh, you know, and, uh, that's how, how I mm-hmm. kind of describe it. And on the non-tech side, there's operations people, uh, there's, there's finance, there's HR, there is, you know, everything else. Okay. So, yeah, so it seems like you got quite a, quite a big team really. Right. I wouldn't um, say big team, like, you know, um, 20, you know, if I'm being very optimistic, 20 yeah. people in deck and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, you know, similar number, 18 to 20 depends on how it is. So it's like, say, for example, mm-hmm. Chris, who's the UI UX person, depending upon the day, he could be working for us or he could be working on the other side. Right. So when he okay. works for us, I found him in. So the way I describe it is like a click up, which is like a, a resource tracking tool. If your name is tracked against us, we track you, we call you as part of a team. So and there are, you know, there is like a free floating two product project managers in house. Mm-hmm. So again, these people get to this side of the, in a very optimistic day, Yeah, we count Chris and the two product managers at this side, and that'll be, we'll get yeah. back and they will lose too, right? 
and right, when they yeah. are not working with us, then they go back there and they'll be bigger than us, generally speaking. Right. So that's, that's how this works. It's like, you know, there's floating population who actually right. was doing certain things. And when they help us doing things, we count them in. Mm. I mean, pay and everything happens from the same place irrespective of where you work, but it's just that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you count them in and like, no, 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 actually, this is really, no, this, this is really, uh, uh, this, to me, it's actually kind of cool because I, lo I love how you, you know, you know, you're creating, I mean, to me, the way I see it is, is really like kind of like a world-class team, but at the same time too, like, uh, you're trying to utilize people, you know, remotely and, you know, just getting things done, you know, so. Oh, it is a difficult challenge to actually hire people in ZKP, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, in total, globally, there are a couple of hundred people who could actually do what need, what could be done, right? Okay. So again, I think my photo is missing. So that's a photo that I have of ZK Proof 2019, and that is close to one, you know, 120 to 160 people in that photo. And that photo kind of represents pretty much all the serious group, uh, you know, ZK people in the world, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Wow. That, that's, that, that's, oh, wow. That, that's yeah. a small that's club. A, that's, that's a very a... small club, right? So essentially okay. what is important for us is to try hire people who are really good. Some of them in that, actually, we tried to hire a couple of people in that list. I mean, actually they reached out to us, uh, and, uh, okay. we, we couldn't close them because of, uh, you know, we, we are not very rich okay. just to give you the context. So you understand when exactly. I say very rich. So okay. imagine, yeah, yeah. uh, you know, comparing ourselves to say a protocol, like, uh, say a protocol, like. LEO, LEO, series A, series B, raised 200 mil. So the valuation mm, okay. is enormous. They have lots of watches, right? We in total raised like 30 mil. So, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, we don't have the kind of capability to pay people like what everybody else will offer them, right? So, okay, yeah. really competitive. Wow. Okay. Yeah, very, very competitive. And wow, okay. to make this a bit more challenging, what has also happened is the fact that uh, in the past six months or so, uh, you know, people like Polygon have actually put in a reasonable amount of money. So when I say reasonable yeah. amount of money, yeah. they spend two few million in Hermes, uh, four hundred million in Mer Protocol, and a bunch in other stuff. Right. That that's actually increased the total amount. So if you only have like you know a couple of hundred people, and this yeah. much money is going to flow in, then you know it results in. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. No, yeah, 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 man. I can uh, no, I can imagine like just uh, building that kind of world class team, man. It is challenging because there's, I mean, like you guys must be like high in demand, like not just from the crypto side, but I'm sure like other Web two big companies or even governments too, right? Would that it's not that, that that big in Web two companies yet? That's a good thing, thankfully for us. If that oh, okay, I would really struggle, like. It's mostly, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so far it's mostly companies in, uh, you know, uh, normal crypto space. That's actually, okay. so that's kind of, uh, in one sense is okay. And another sense is not so okay, but mm -hmm. it, 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 it helps us survive. So yes, it's hard to, uh, you know, hire, hard to make, hard to retain. Uh, the only thing I could offer is ability to learn, uh, mm -hmm. you know, very fair, very open environment. So, and our team overall, you know, this is one of the things that you would notice is like slightly older for any crypto protocol. So, 
most crypto protocols, uh, most people are in their twenties. Uh, surprisingly, in our team, most people are in their thirties, and there are yeah. a few in the forties and a few in fifties. So our lead architect is in his fifties, and uh, you know Sanjay is in his fifties. So it's like yeah. you know uh, a, a, a older demographic in one sense of speaking, and very sure. diverse as well. So it's like. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we at one yeah. point in time, like a quarter of the, uh, almost quarter of uh, who, who, who we used to work with was, uh, you know, female as well. So, but now it has changed because some of them actually moved out and they wanted to do other things. Like, it, it's hard to keep people, like, in a very competitive space. Like, you know, sure, sure, yeah. Yeah. No, no, the... Because when I think of like uh, the zero knowledge space, I mean, like it's it's so competitive. Yep. So, uh, so then that, that kind of leads me to the question about you know, uh, just for the regular folks out there, like, could you explain what is zero knowledge proof, and also uh, could you also share why it is important? Okay, actually? so it's a very simple mechanism. The mechanism is about making a claim and proving the claim is true without revealing any knowledge about uh, how it's done, right? Mm, so okay. imagine this room, uh, this room has one door. I say to you, uh, Marcos, I have the ability to escape from this room without using the door. So I am the prover, you are the verifier. So what I do is, I, along with you, go outside the room, stand outside. So I'm over there. Yeah. And then you, you know, literally, uh, you know, close the door behind me, right? Once you close the door behind me, uh, you know that I'm inside the room, you're outside the room. Yeah. You know, I can only come out through the door. And now yeah. you wait for five minutes and you see me outside. Now you yeah. know that my claim that I could actually get outside the room without using the okay. door is valid. Yeah. But you don't know how you did it. That's a zero yeah. knowledge point, right? This is a zero right. knowledge thing. So essentially, you have the ability to mm -hmm. prove something to somebody with a high assurance that you know, you are, you, your claim is true, you are who you are, all the kind of things, without yeah. actually revealing how you do it, right? So, you know, it, it could be something like you want to do a password authentication mechanism, you replace it with zero knowledge, right? <clears throat> so typical problem with, uh, you know, password authentication mechanism is like if the password is compromised, they could use that to authenticate themselves in because and the authentication happens, somebody has to send the password. Whereas here, there is no such thing happening. There is no password being sent. You know, whatever we send, you can, you can copy it a thousand times, like, you know, mm -hmm. the room experiment. Like, we can run this experiment a hundred times, but you would never gain any extra knowledge about how I, I escaped from the room, right? So that's, yeah. that, that's the thing. All right, okay. So, okay, so that's your knowledge proof. And yeah. uh, could you share, like... Uh, proof, yeah. Yeah, uh, but but could you share also like you know the importance of zero knowledge proof? I mean, okay, so you know, the the importance of zero knowledge proof is the following: like, typically speaking, when you actually prove something, as I said, you have to reveal some information, right? So Ashokan, I think, is PhD thesis in nineteen ninety six. He kind of had this thing: privacy versus authenticity, right? So you can either have one of the two. I mean, what zero knowledge proofs allows you to do is have both. You can have privacy and authenticity. You can actually prove with a yeah. very high level of assurance that you are who you, your claim is valid. So you are who you yeah. are, while you right, still okay. remain private. As in, like you know, the claim is just you know a function of who you are, not like you know 
who you are in the fullest sense, right? Like everything about you is not going to be revealed to anybody. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of very powerful in a sense. Like yeah. that information arbitrage normally happens when somebody has to prove to somebody else. So imagine, uh, you know, you have this, uh, you know, trust problem as well. Like when you have a you know, password-based authentication, you have yeah. to trust the other party that, you know, they don't do attacks on your password that's true. Like, you know, they actually literally could see you what your password is, right? Yeah. And that's like information reversal that, uh, you mm -hmm. know, at some point in time, you could actually turn around and say, oh, you actually did it. You need to trust yeah. them to not do that to you, right? Whereas in a prove verify mechanism using a zero knowledge, it's kind of like, it's kind of hard to actually fake somebody, right? Yeah. So that's wow. kind of interesting construct. Yeah, wow. That is, uh, no, that, no, thank you for sharing that uh, about the importance, I think, uh, to maintain your privacy, but also same to authenticity too. Uh, and I, I guess I'm, I'm, I guess I tend to grab, gravitate towards the idea of privacy, but also now starting to see the value of, you know, authenticity, especially in this space too. So uh, I wanted to kind of like, uh, uh, actually I was go back to the, the light paper. And I think yeah. on the third page, um, one of the statement uh, uh, talks about you know, the problem with layer one blockchains and private finance. Um, it, it says over here, in a rush to build the future of finance, we have neglected to preserve a core piece of the human experience privacy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of pretty straightforward. Like, you know, let's think of it this way. Like this, here's our wallet, right? Yeah. So when I go to the bank, I am done. A KYC is done. Then mm -hmm. I'm either given money, right? Which is not tracked. Yeah. Once I am given money, I can spend it. And yeah. it's not tracked. It, the, the, the usability in that sense should be identical in, with the with blockchain, right? Mm -hmm. There should be no reason. There's nothing gained. That's what the, the real argument is. There's nothing yeah. gained by having a behavior where everything is visible to everybody, especially in adversarial setting, right? So if you think about the surveillance economy where Amazon's of the world, Google's of the world, Twitter's of the world are taking in ingesting all the data and actually yeah. running a machine learning arbitrage on an average human, you know, giving them all your financial data, I don't think it's the wisest thing on earth to do. And also right. the construct of privacy is important for governance. So it's like, you know, when everybody talks about democracy, uh, firstly, everybody says like democracy implies that everybody votes. That's very important. Mm -hmm. Second part of it, and a more important part of it, democracy only works if and only if privacy exists. So your vote mm -hmm. is the vote that you know nobody else in that sense, unless you reveal something, right? Yeah. So this construct is like very valuable and important for society to exist, but at the same time, uh, you know, sometimes people and builders of systems kind of forget that this is important part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because uh, because uh, the reason I was looking to that is because uh, uh, some of my friends were kind of explaining me about like you know Bitcoin and Ethereum. They both are public blockchains, basically. Yeah. Uh, in many ways, like companies like CypherTrace or chain analysis or any blockchain analytic companies, they can track it, right? It, like track the transactions and all that stuff. So in terms of uh, when it comes to financial transactions, I think that kind of, uh, if you're a business that puts yourself exposed, you know, so 
uh, I guess from a business uh, standpoint, I think, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, but the way I see it, I mean, privacy uh, is important. So, uh, but anyway, uh, with the, now the next question actually I want to ask is um, now, you know, uh, as a business, you know, we also, you know, dealing with, you know, uh, with, with law, with governments, and other 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 side is the compliance side. So, uh, could could you kind of like uh, share with us or you know your insights, you know, when it comes to privacy versus the compliance dilemma? Uh, okay, uh, uh, could you repeat the question for me? Are you oh, asking, you know, what is privacy versus compliance? So, oh, I, I mean, uh, like uh, there's this. Uh, because like in, in our current society, you know, like, you know, people, they want to protect their privacy, but also uh, we also have to be, you know, uh, how do you say compliant as well in terms of uh, like, say, taxes or, or or some other. Let me see. Actually, I think I had an, actually, I did have a note. Just give me one. Because I remember... Because actually the question is about, uh, um, because I think I think in the light paper there was uh, like a section about privacy versus compliance dilemma. Yeah, I mean, what it refers to there is the following, like in Roomba, I was just talking about the wallet, right? Mm -hmm. This wallet is a classic example of privacy versus compliance kind of thing. If you use a bank, you do KYC. Yeah. And if your KYC is kind of, uh, how could I describe? If your KYC is done at the point in time, you know, you don't have privacy. KYC, at the point of KYC is privacy lost, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you do the transactions, you are allowed to have privacy. And uh, compliance implies that, you know, you have to reveal a lot of information. So in a zero knowledge sense, you could actually have both. That, that That's the beauty of KYC, you know, zero knowledge, right? So you can actually have, uh, you know, privacy and you can have compliance and you can actually prove in zero knowledge that a particular condition was met or wasn't met, right? So this is what I really like about zero knowledge. Oh, right. Okay. Cool. cool. Yeah. And uh, speaking of like about zero knowledge, I, could, could you share some, I guess, uh, use cases of not, not just zero knowledge, but especially with uh, Panda Protocol? Okay, so, you know, Panda protocol, to start with the way I describe is, uh, you know, we want to actually enable people to have, uh, you know, private strategies, right? So the private strategy could be, you know, in, let's take the case of current economy. Imagine you are on an L1, uh, a yeah. blockchain or a layer mm -hmm. one, where there is no native DeFi. And effectively what is happening is you have a bunch of assets there. So imagine you have 100 bucks. And you are on a uh, you know a layer one where you know you don't have uh, anything that gives you uh, yield. So now uh, you are losing your money. So given mm -hmm. nine ten percent inflation, you're losing your money. Yeah. What you want to do is go to some layer one with this native DeFi, uh, use your assets yield, let some yield and come back. So that's a very simple strategy. So in that sense, what I am hoping is like the users of the layer one would actually use Panda and uh, you know, come in, get CSS, go into say Ethereum, stake it in some protocol, get the things back, then go back in, then convert back into the native assets. 
this assumption here is the following that you know a you know there are opportunities available on other levels very small yeah. assumption mm -hmm. similarly it's going to be cheap it could be cheap we can actually make it cheap right yeah and in honestly like you know uh, the user of the layer one will keep pretty much 99.x percent of the upside of whatever they get panther is only going to charge like you know 30 to 100 pips depends on how many hops you take right if you just okay. do one hop it will charge like 30 bips. It's like it, it, pretty much in line with what Uniswap does. But if you do all right, okay. hops, then we have to, you know, pay the charges for all those things. So yeah. Like, unless it's it's completely in a, uh, inside the, in the chain tax. If it's inside mm -hmm. the chain tax, we, we might be able to do some optimization. But otherwise, if you do hops, then we will have to do the straps in that sense. But in general, what it means is like, you make your money, you know, we, we charge you a small amount. You keep all of it. And then if you can think that this is for all normal average users, right? You could be yeah. a slightly more sophisticated user, you know, hedge fund, family office. You yeah. want to develop strategies and you want to develop strategies. So if you do that, it becomes, uh, you know, it's more useful for you to shield your strategy from other people. Both in okay. terms of you know people's ability to copy your strategy and even the possibility of doing attacks on you with MEV attacks, right? So in that sense, uh, you know, Panda helps you both ways, right? Like you know, both yeah. the normal users and a slightly more sophisticated user. And when it comes to the stage where you know if institutions get interested enough to get into DeFi, then we have a situation even more interesting where they mm -hmm. are looking for things that support KYC and AML. And have some mm. disclosure because they have to actually disclose. Okay. So Panther would very much fit into that. And I, I don't know, you know, the current version of Panther would be the one-to-one -one map in the sense like they have some requirements of pools and things like that because of a regulatory arbitrage. So you know, okay. might end up actually having multi-asset pools having peculiar characteristics, which might not might or might not be supported in the decentralized framework because like we currently have a very decentralized framework. So that implies that, you know, we don't enforce anything, right? Okay. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, uh, as far as one of the key uses for Panther Protocol, ZKP, it would be like for like a DeFi or say yeah. like a private crypto company. Yeah. And then you also mentioned about AML compliance, transactional yeah. monitoring. Uh, I wouldn't call it uh, transactional monitoring. Essentially, okay. you know, if you have the ability to prove to a third okay. party a set of transactions okay. came from you, so transaction mm -hmm. monitoring happens on their side, but you prove that this set of transactions came from me or you mm -hmm. in that sense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what about, uh, but could you see Panther protocol be used uh, for say private voting or? It, it, uh... It's somewhat outside of the scope of Panther protocol, right? Like okay. What Panther protocol is doing is essentially our objective Mm -hmm. when we set about doing this, is very much using zero knowledge proofs to actually provide privacy for DeFi. Can we do other things? Absolutely, yes. Are we planning yeah. to do those? I don't think so. Because like, okay. A, as I was describing, uh, you know, there are only so many people who do ZKPs, and there's only so much money we have. And okay. the cost of that, those people is incredibly high. For us to do anything else, it's very difficult. Okay. And our construct is raising money using a white in a description on the white paper, which doesn't have any of those things. So, okay, you know, gotcha. uh, we have a bunch of people who we have signed contracts with for with the agreement explicit that, that they will deliver this. 
So when you want to change something, it becomes more and more difficult. While very interesting, but I don't foresee that happening in the immediate future. But who knows? Market is the market is, and then people oh, will okay. negotiate with us. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, but also, I mean, I, I mean, I was thinking of like you know private voting, but also I, I was trying to come up with uh, maybe some other like say traditional um, you know businesses like. Uh, um, say, for example, like insurance companies, I, I, you know, because I know they, they use a lot of data. You can actually do a lot of this private compute. That, that is always possible. The problem okay. typically in doing all those things is there's a proof of verify mechanism. And somebody has to do this, uh, you know, setup of the circuits and all those things. And there's a verification that's required. So first, you know, let me walk you through a typical scenario. So Rome okay. is talking to you about the first zero knowledge topic that we're working on. At that right, point, yeah. we're looking at this, like, can we actually, you know, if there is any data that's underlying and there is some risk associated with something, can you actually, you know, use zero knowledge to prove, uh, you know, what the risk is within bounds without revealing much of the data? So, you, you know, imagine airline insurance, you can actually get insurance for things mm. without revealing who, which, which part is from where, who is flying what, all those yeah. things, right? At the same time, you know, uh, the problem we have is like, as I was describing, the total number of people who understand zero knowledge is limited. The total number of people who can audit is going to be even more limited. In fact, I have a blog okay. post I wrote on the article on LinkedIn, which kind of All right, okay. the map behind smart contract audits kind of describes some of the challenges. So okay. overall, then you have this challenge of uh, a party who doesn't understand. So the insurance uh, has to understand all of this, right? They are underwriting mm. this. So yeah. A, they need to understand. B, they need to, you know, have somebody who can actually understand all this and verify it for them. And C, there should be legal precedence. We don't have any of these things. So it's like you can do a lot of the things. You can have insurance. You could have, uh, you know, a supply chain. You know, oh, maybe even credit scoring or something. Yeah, yeah, that could also. All of those yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But all, all of right. this is, is literally just outside of the definitely about the protocol. Uh, you know, it requires a significant amount of <clears throat> integration with the existing system. So if you okay. had to do mm-hmm. like in a supply chain thing, you have to do integration with uh, the DRP, the system. So you have to do an integration right. of uh, approval into the SAP system. So the SAP becomes approval and you run a verifier. So, and as soon as the contract is signed, the lawyer should be explained what the, 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 the tech is doing. <laughs> you know, that, that's just that's like a, a gap between... Yeah, generally yeah. lawyers are not the most technically savvy people on the on earth. Sure. But, yeah. Oh, but, yeah. That, no, yeah. That's interesting. The fraction of lawyers who understand ZKP would be incredibly small, I would assume. Interesting. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, but this is uh, quite fascinating, and also I'm I'm just like, uh, oh, there's there's a lot of steps involved to integrate Panther like with traditional businesses or or any other businesses really. Or yeah. industries, right? Okay. Oh wow. Okay. No, but no, but this is good to know. Uh, like, uh, there are use cases for Panda Protocol, like you know, yeah. even outside of you know your crypto DeFi space, you know. Yeah. So, or I guess, uh, I guess, I think the two main buzzwords are Web three and DeFi. So, um, um, I'm still trying to figure out. Uh, wait, what is the Web three is? You know, and Jack Dozy comes up with Web five. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, you, you never get to know everything in, yeah. in the full picture. <laughs> you, you, 
in, uh, in any fast moving ecosystem one of the biggest problems is the time it takes for somebody to understand what it is and the time it takes for new development to happen so literally that this is a sliding window right mm-hmm. and the front end of it is like the things new things coming in and the back end of it is like you know old things becoming obsolete right oh yeah and in the zero knowledge <laughs> world this is a very fast moving thing so in fact uh there is a 2019 article written by Elvin Sasson who's one of the founders of Starknet and the chief scientist um, okay. i think the cambrian revolution of zero knowledge proofs or something like that that's pretty interesting it actually gives you like a summary of zero knowledge proof revolution in the last 5 years which is very very interesting and really fascinating mm-hmm. it actually gives you like a you know a ringside view of how fast things move and you know how things are so yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, uh I mean personally for me uh you know uh like I'm uh, like I'm looking to all this stuff in crypto and blockchain and um like you know regular people like me and many others like we are having a hard time catching up but it's still fascinating to see how uh, things are changing like with regards to you know how it's affecting the internet our information and also the future of finance too so uh there's, there's so many there's so many things are happening uh, in the space so yeah i definitely love this stuff um but anyway uh could you share us uh do 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 uh do you have like yeah, a so like a road map the thing thing is, oh sorry, sorry what did you say oh no no, no I, was, I, i was saying the title of the talk the title of the article is a cambrian explosion of crypto proofs that's Okay. Uh, that was published in 2020 by Elvin Sasson. That that's the thing that I would recommend. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, worth the read for people who are new to zero knowledge uh, to understand what it is, right? Okay. No, you, sure, you, sure. you were asking me about something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but definitely uh later on definitely would love to get the links and also share it in sure. in the description and stuff. But uh actually I was just kind of curious about uh Panther Protocol's uh roadmap, you know? Uh Now we have 2022. Yeah, so 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 my plans so were again, you know, as I said, like the original roadmap was hand drawn by me and now the current roadmap I think I have some of it over here let me see. Yes, no, that's I'm still looking for it. One sec. Uh, let me. No, no, I think it's actually gone. No, like uh it's always difficult to find something when you want it. <laughs> Okay, I can't find it. So the immediate plan, uh, the immediate plan uh, that's there is to deliver a few bridges. So okay. bridge number one will be for Songbird, which is like the test network for Flare, then okay. Flare, yeah. then Near, and there are a couple of other protocols you are talking to. At the same time, we will, in addition to be building bridges, we'll be building in the chain decks, and that's uh, you know when all of the bridges. are either merged into uh, uh, interchain decks or they all last separate standing depending upon the the request of the you know layer one people um, yeah. I, i would consider the roadmap complete in that sense like, there's always something we could add but you know generally speaking interchain decks bridges private bridges interchain decks all the rest of the stuff down i i call it a day all right okay so 2023 is most likely when it's going to all right okay cool interesting yeah anyways yeah mm-hmm. 
All right. So I think we. Uh, but is there is there anything uh, you, anything more we need to cover about Panther Protocol? Like some in some interesting facts, or maybe about the token? There's always, or... there's always an open invite for people to come and join us. Uh, so I'm always on the lookout for very good people. So I generally have three things I look for. Uh, number one is integrity. So simply put, for me, and I've pretty much hired everybody in tech team that mostly people who have been with me in the past or come across mm -hmm. me in enterprises and kind of things. Mm -hmm. So integrity is key. I really don't want to be the person who understands something that's gone wrong. Mm -hmm. After okay. the fact does it happen and the people should have the courage to tell me and if we are a big boo-boo and tell okay. me what it is before anybody else comes up to me and asks, right? Like that's what my best thing is. That's okay. like integrity. Because like we are building a protocol. The protocol is going to have billions of dollars going through. So you need to trust right. the person with a billion dollar in that sense. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Like right. Speaking. Yeah, yeah. Secondly, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's this question of, uh, you know, intellectual horsepower, whichever way you measure it. Okay. The more advanced the things are, it requires a higher level of mathematical sophistication. So, mm -hmm. you know, you need to have the ability to deal with the kind of math and other things that we need to deal with. And last of it is the competence in doing what you need to do if it's programming, is programming, if otherwise it's whatever it is. But in general, that is something that's learnable. The first thing is <coughs> kind of hard because like, uh, you know, number one is like, you know, having a, a, a so-called intellectual honesty and honesty and integrity is almost impossible to be trained, right? It, it comes mm -hmm. with it and you keep yeah, yeah. it slightly. And IQ or intellectual horsepower more or less remains the same throughout one's life. You kind of decay with that. But, you know, so you understand what I'm saying. So if there are people who are interested, who want to work with a team who are world-class, right, very open, very... Yeah. So if you come work, especially in my team, not part of the team, which is like the tech team, is like you have all the, you know, all the freedom you can get. There are people who will be happy to answer your questions. But, you know, you can ask a question once or twice or twice. If it's beyond twice, then we have a problem. You have a startup, you can't afford to teach people as such, right? But open place to work. Uh, we would love any kind of diversity of any kind, and uh, that'll be great. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, then definitely. Yeah. Uh, anyways, anyways, uh, we we are at, at the end. So could you share uh, share us? You know, outside of Panther Protocol, you know, uh, what do you do for fun? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't yeah. think I do much. So in the past, I have involvement in open source drones and things like that. So I was mm -hmm. a contributor to the Adelcopter dev list and a moderator of DIY drones for a while. So I have a massive collection of drones. I have a lot of interest in electronics. So I had an electronics lab. Then I used to live back in London. So I have none of those okay. things here. I also used to read quite a lot. And my shelves are kind of empty now. But if you look at my mm -hmm. shelves back home in London, that's full of full of books. Mm -hmm. So I also have some interest in um, astrophotography in that sense. Like, so I have a couple of you know telescopes. All right. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you could think of a more geeky end of the spectrum where I'm interested right. in, you know, uh, uh, um, aeronautical models, drones, uh, fixed wings, rovers. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 3D printers, but I have all these things uh, in my position, which I kind of play with. So I spend a lot of time thinking about things. Also, mm -hmm. I have some spare time interest in philosophy. I happen to be a published philosopher, published a couple of papers with my co-author. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, 
uh, all all my interest taken by time. So I control oh, okay. the hobbies rather than interesting. Anything uh, that will give you like immediate pay is kind of considered a hobby by me. <laughs> nice. We're doing it for fun, so we consider it a hobby. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, no, uh because you mentioned about philosophers so are there uh, 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 uh do you have like a favorite philosopher you follow yeah. or, okay that, that, or... that's like a, a, a uh, tricky question in some sense of yeah. speaking so my yeah. co for my first philosophy paper is now uh the predecessor to uh, uh you know john luke nancy and uh, he mm-hmm. now teaches him so one other places so yeah i mean I am more influenced by, you know, a bunch of Eastern philosophers than a bunch of, when I say Eastern, it's Middle Eastern, in that sense, from the Middle okay. East, and a okay. bunch of philosophers from the early 20th century, so Heidegger and other kind of people on that side, and then uh, and a Ghazali and other people on the other side, so I'm one of the weird oh, okay. of people who kind of straddles between the two. Oh, interesting. Okay, man, uh, you're a man of uh, many talents and interest uh, I, I like the part we talk about drones and uh, or 3d printers too those are those are fun too uh those are definitely a lot of fun so yeah but anyways uh we are about uh, uh about to end this but uh before we go um how can uh people find uh learn more about panther protocol as well as about yourself oh uh myself will be a difficult problem because i don't have uh that many pages that i host I tried to have a web page for myself a long while ago. I don't think it's still there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, mostly everything that's out there on the web is hosted by other people. So I have no ability or control of any of them. So uh, you know, Google me, generally speaking, I think that there's 10, 20 pages are mine. If you okay. put specific terms like blockchain, drones, uh, you know, the topics which mm-hmm. I'm interested in, you'll find my talks. And, you know, okay. So, so, All right. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah, but... finding, sorry. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Okay, my bad, sorry. Uh, no, I was about to say, for finding about Panda, Panda actually has like a HTTPS, pandaprotocol.io. There's a bunch of mm-hmm. blog posts. We have Telegram channels, Discord channels. Generally, all of those are responsive. People out there, you know, mm-hmm. that there's community and the community would respond. And, you know, generally right. speaking, uh, you know, the spirit to a large degree of the founders and the team is represented by the community. I wouldn't say it's 100%, mm-hmm. but, you know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, uh, but uh, are you, uh, like, you know, active on, say, like, you know, LinkedIn or Twitter? I am reasonably okay. active on LinkedIn. Okay. Reasonably active on Telegram. Reasonably active on Signal. Reasonably active on Keybase. Uh, I don't go out of my way. And Twitter. So you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on LinkedIn. Okay. You can find me on... Yeah. Actually, sure, definitely I'll share the... Uh, the links below for people to, you know, learn more about you, you know, you know, you're, 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 you're quite the interesting man uh, here in Dubai, you know, Thank you. Uh, according to, you know, the, the legends here in Dubai, you know, the, oh, the tales. Really, uh, I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not the perpetrator of the, uh, you know, legends of any kind. I don't even host, I think there's one page I host for myself and that is out of date by five or six years. Right. So there's a massive gap in me keeping track of what I do. So probably I've given like a couple of hundred talks and given Mm -hmm. taught at least in 20 or 30 universities. And, uh, you know, okay. 
So in the past, I've had a, a quasi-economic position. I was head of research for SRS Berlin Information Sciences Institute. Mm-hmm. I still have a kind of a, you know an adjunct faculty position as, as a, uh, in Harbor Space in Barcelona. Lockdown kind of tied down all of these things, and uh, the SRS Berlin Institute actually got closed down. So oh, okay. it, and prior to that, in uh, you know before lockdown. I have actually taught at MIT, I've taught at CMU. All of my friends used to teach a course at CMU. And I used to give lectures on, on and off basis. Mm-hmm. And I've taught in most of the normal well-known places. I've taught, uh, you know, all the way from ML for finance to blockchain to you know, other things. So, okay. All right. So I guess in, in the more like the academic space, there are a lot of videos, a lot of uh, talks. Uh... Possibly. I don't know how many days published, but yeah, there, there's okay. lots of, you know, I've given lots of talks on any, any topic I get interested, I try you know, share my knowledge, be jealous by people, so. Okay, yeah. Yeah, well, just uh, if, I, if any of you folks are here in Dubai on uh, uh, on a humble Saturday, uh, we get to meet up uh, at uh, somewhere in Marina with uh, Dr. Anish, it's called Coffee at Crypto. So just, you know, a bunch of guys is having fellowship talking about crypto, blockchain, and the just don't say guys that's not true we actually have oh, we, as well. yes. yes yes we do we, yes we do the guys and gals yes yes uh, you know just talking about all, all the mysteries of crypto and blockchain you know so and which is good I, I i enjoy that you know everyone sharing you know you know their experiences and you know the challenges so i, I, I like that i think that's uh, i think that's that's what we need especially here in dubai as this place is starting to grow and you know the community starting to uh uh, get you know get bigger you know so um but yeah anyways uh let's end this uh with dr Nini sharing some words of wisdom for us uh regular folks and people you know people in the in the crypto markets you know right now that things are bearish so uh, i know you've been through uh i, I mean you've been to what, like maybe like four bear markets i think <laughs> I don't know, three or four. I can't three or four? Yeah, yeah, sure. Like starting 2012, 2011, 2012. Yeah, okay. Right, right. So, yeah. Um, any, uh, any words of wisdom? You I know, have no words of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing you can do. I'd rather sit tight and won't go through it. All right. Okay. No, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So, but anyways, I think, uh, I think the way I see it is, you know, uh, my personal belief is, especially in the bear markets, usually the weak hands, the crooked hands, you know, they all kind of like flood away or wash away. But I think usually in the bear markets, I personally believe that, you know, the real tech, the real projects, real developments and real value is usually created in the bear markets. Is that something that you would agree with or? Generally speaking, if, Believe by the thing that drives the market, then, you know, the people who really struggle through the crypto windows or the bear markets are the people who really believe in what they do. So mm-hmm. if that is all that's required to build tech, absolutely, your thesis will be valid. Mm. All right, Anyways, uh, it's about that time. Thank you all for uh, coming on to the XT cast. And I'd like to thank Dr. Mee for taking his time to... Uh, educate us and share his uh, experience. So I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Anyway, everybody, we got to go. We got, uh, Dr. Anis has uh, things to do. He has to build a lot of amazing stuff. So anyways, y'all be good. Y'all be safe. And you have an amazing Friday and amazing weekend. And we will talk to you soon. Bye for now.